Hello and welcome. My name is Mark Blatstein, physician founder of Physician Free Sentence Report Service. Today, I'm going to discuss how important preparation is for your pre-sentence interview. And this YouTube is going, it's taken from Sentencing Law and Policy, that blog, which is by law professor named Douglas Berman over here. And the article in question is law and order, the timing and mitigation evidence affects pun uh, punishment decisions. So the timing of the mitigation evidence. So what does that mean in English? It means that you have your pre-sentence interview. Hopefully everything has been prepared. You've copied all of the required documentation that the probation officer needs for their probation report. You have written your narrative with, and having you've written your narrative, which is your story, and this, your story is similar to a narrative. Don't get caught up in the word narrative. It's going to be your brand. Nike has just do it. Tesla has SpaceX. And so here, your narrative is going to be your story because you need to help the judge understand who you are and what happened. Because after the pre-sentence interview is done and everything's been checked, and now that the probation officer is now going to draft or write the official pre-sentence report, and they're then going to meet with the judge. And in that week or so before your sentencing hearing, the probation officer may recommend a sentence for you and placement. But there, this is when the judge really has their, after they've reviewed the pre-sentence report, which is why you need to stand up for yourself, if you will, and change the narrative that the Department of Justice has out there in the form of your indictment. By the time you get to the sentencing hearing, the judge is already going to have a sentence in mind. Here's where the article comes into, it's where it's important. It says, mitigating circumstances may reduce the severity of punishment that is deemed appropriate, both intuitively and legally. But importantly, in the court's opinion and of law, mitigating information is typically presented after the information about the perpetrator's transgression. That doesn't do any good. It's too late. If you present all of your information at the sentencing hearing, it's done. You're toast. And so in the two studies that were done here, presenting evidence about the perpetrator's background before or after the violation influenced how severely U.S. participants were punished for by the, were punished perpetrators. And so what they learned is that where there's evidence about the perpetrator's mitigating circumstances, which is, is why you want to draft your narrative, which is your story, these mitigating circumstances reduce punishment only what it was presented before the evidence about the perpetrator's violation. And so this is why it's important for you to have all of this information into your probation officer one to two weeks before you have your interview. And that's because probation officers are overworked, understaffed, and have no time. And so if you can, in an organized manner, provide all the information that the probation officer has requested regarding copies of all the documents that are needed. Plus, you've taken the time to write your narrative, which is your story, which is your brand. For Nike, their brand is just do it. For Tesla, you know, their brand is the car and then SpaceX. All the cars on the road, everywhere you drive around, all these cars, Chevrolet, Nissan, they all have brands. Well, your brand up until this point is going to be your indictment. And here is, here is where your chance is through the writing of your story or your autobiography called your narrative can impact the judge when he makes that decision, your sentencing decision. And so this, the actual article of this paper is here.
Law and order, the timing of mitigation and evidence uh, rather affects punishment decisions. It's a long article. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but it is available. It's available on my website. It's available. If you contact me, I can send you a copy. But the thing is, is that if you Google it, this is what made it important enough to be published on May 4th, 2023, which is not that long ago. And so this is an article that I wrote based on that particular article, Sentencing and Law Policy. And as I said, it only were, it's only helpful when it's presented before the evidence about the perpetrator's violation. And the only time really to do this is before you meet with the probation officer, because that person is going to be your first point of contact. So let's go through as I read some of this with you. And here is my title when I did it, the narrative provided, as I said, one to two weeks before the pre-sentence interview. Now it will be included in the pre-sentence report, and it's considered under seal. So why is that important? Your pre-sentence report going forward is going to be everything about you criminally that brought you into the criminal justice criminal justice system. And so it's going to be read by all of your stakeholders. So who and what are stakeholders? Your stakeholders are going to be individuals that are responsible for you pretty much for the rest of your life. But for now, it's going to be through the incarceration system, which is going to be First, the probation officer that, that writes your pre-sentence interview, rather takes in the information for the pre-sentence report and for their probation report, and then drafts the pre-sentence interview, I mean, pre-sentence report. The next stakeholder is going to be your judge. Now, at the same time, your attorney is your stakeholder, but they don't know anything about you except what about your background and what, ha- you know, things that occurred to you since you were a child through till today, or the, the, in, th- what caused you the to be in this position where you are found guilty of a felony. So the only way for you to begin to influence your attorney or let them get to know you better is through your narrative or your story, your biography. It's going to then be the prosecutor. Well, the prosecutor, they know what they know. And a lot of prosecutors, essentially, they want a conviction. And you can't blame them. There are those that want to go into politics after this. There are those that want to go into white collar criminal defense. And so the more convictions they get, the better they look. Department of Justice is another stakeholder. They want to make sure you go to jail. Your judge is another stakeholder. And they're casting the final decision. It's probably the most important because if they have a sentence already in mind, you can uh, you can help help change their mind a bit. Now, for transparency's sake, while I'm a practicing physician now, my license is active. I had a felony in 2006. Um, At the time, I didn't know what a narrative was. I didn't know what a re-entry plan was. I had no idea about character reference letters, although I had some. And so I'm grateful, but I was able to get my license back to practice in 2010, 2010. And it was then I decided that preparation is important and knowledge because with the two of those, I was totally unprepared for the criminal justice system in entering the Federal Bureau of Prisons. I don't want you to be that as that far underwater. And so having everything in the pre-sentence report, now it's considered under seal. That means that this is going to follow you. And only the people that are going to be responsible for your future are going to get to read it. But they will profile you to a degree. Before you get in the pr- prison, you're going to, where you are placed and designated is dependent on people you will never meet and is the Federal Bureau of Prisons Administrative Offices in Grand Prairie, Texas, and they will place you. Then you get into prison and you're gonna have a warden, a case manager, a counselor, a unit team. They're all gonna read this. 
And they're going to unfortunately profile you for maybe not to the strictest definition, but they they are seeing new people come in under their purview as inmates, if you will. And they probably have, they may have become jaded as to everyone they meet before they actually get to meet them and get to know them. They may just think everyone's a criminal and everyone's there because they did something wrong. And you may not think you belong in jail and your, your family may not, and I may not. But unfortunately, none of that matters because right now you admitted guilt or you're found guilty. And so you have everything you do has to be done through the eyes of those who are judging you and who have to decide what you do with your future and how fast you can get through the system, how successfully you can get through the system and how quickly you can get out. But I will tell you that there are many parts of this and it's not as easy as just getting in and getting out. So I'm going to go through this. Sensing law and policy was the article I just showed you. And the study provided more validation for the personal narrative. It's written by you, but it needs to be guided. In other words, you have to have people around you that can reread it and proofread it for you that have experience in writing and telling stories. They work for the press. They're a family mentor, or you have a mitigation person with you who, who has done this before for other individuals as they face their sentencing hearing. And then, as I said, provided that a probation officer one to two weeks before the pre-sentence interview. And now that it's going to be under seal, it's going to be read by all your future stakeholders, which I've already noted. In addition to your narrative, it's a release plan. Release plan is important. Again, I wish I knew all of this ahead of time, but I did not. And so the release plan, what are you going to do to not reoffend? I mean, initially, your judge is going to want to ask you in the sentencing hearing, what's your plan not to come back to the courtroom? But you need to have a plan because you, through the narrative and your release plan, you need to accept responsibility for what you've done, have remorse for the victims that you've created. And be able to know that you have to change your ways. And, you you know, you may have not realized it through the length of time uh, since right after you were first indicted. But up until now, you may have it's taken time to realize that, you know, you did wrong and that, you know, you need to change your ways and you need to make things right for the victims first. For the community, family members second, for the court and then for yourself last, because you owe it to all of them. And if you get that out of order and you put the victims last, the judge is not going to be a happy person. So this is the release plan because the judge will want to know this. And if you have it woven into your into your pre-sentence report, then all the better. Then you need letters, character reference letters. But these are letters that attest to your character, people who have known you a long time. And it's not people, they're not letters that say you don't go to jail or you shouldn't be sentenced or there's too many people in prison. We all know all of this to be true. But it has to be people that have known you that have, can attest to some good works that you have done in the community over the years. They don't have to be wealthy. They don't have to be in politics. They, they can be a, a neighbor, a teacher, but someone where, you know, you've mowed the lawns in the heat of the summertime to your neighbors. You shovel their snow, you know, in the wintertime. Um, whatever the, however the character letters are worded, it has to be regarding your character. I had some come from, come from me that I didn't ask for, but it was actually great character letters from colleagues and from a dean of a medical school. And so just reviewing, it says your evidence about the mitigating circumstances reduce punishment only when it's presented before the evidence about the perpetrator's violation. In other words, it's got to get into the pre-sentence report because you need to change the narrative that the Department of Justice has already published worldwide in your indictment, where you look like America's most wanted. And so this is going to take time for you to do. And second, 
And the probation officers, as I said, they can, after they've taken your information in and they get to know you better at the pre-sentence interview, now they have time to casually get to know you personally, ask any remaining questions that they may have with your attorney present, and may come away with from the interview thinking that you may not be, or you may appear, you appear didactically one opposite of the person that there has been written about in your narrative. So the indictment, as I said, makes you look like America's most wanted. Waiting until the sentencing hearing, as I said, too, doesn't, the judge will know, all they'll know, if you don't do your narrative, all that judge is going to know about you is what they read in your indictment. And so even though they have a tentative sentence in mind, it's important for you to go ahead and take the time. And it could take weeks, it could take months to look deep inside yourself and write your story from childhood up until what happened to cause you to whatever this event was. There's a short YouTube here. You can find that on my website. But judges all have agreed that they need help in understanding why, why this happened. Because judges know that crimes do not occur in a vacuum. And they're interested in learning what caused you to make this, to cause you to break the law. <clears throat> Presenting all this information and the background, personal identification, your story, which is narrative release plan, needs to go into your probation officer one to two weeks before the interview. So they have time to digest it. Plus, a little effort's going to go could go a long way. They, these, as I said, they're they're overworked, understaffed, don't have time. They may actually appreciate rather than taking the time during your interview to casually get to know you by casually reading all of that information that you've provided through your release plan, your narrative, character letters, and copies of all the information that they've requested, so that you've come to that meeting prepared. <clears throat> and as I said, this is where the the officer can take the time to get to know you personally. And that's important. Plus the narrative. I've read where some judges feel that if you're able to put together a narrative in written format, but also in video, 10 minute video, it may take a half hour's worth of video recording to work its way down to 10 minutes. But if you're able to, if you can afford that, that will make it a much better presentation. And honestly, if the budget is tight, you can do it on a smartphone but have someone better with smartphones than I am because I could, but I'm sure as I tell friends of mine that if I make friends with a three-year-old, they can teach me everything I need to know about regarding my smartphone and how to get around on Apple computers. Writing your narrative is an arduous self-reflective experience. You want to have truth tellers around you to support you. In other words, you don't want people around you that are just going to say everything you did was okay. You really weren't the bad person that was in the um, indictment. You need to look at yourself through the eyes of the stakeholders, which is going to, next one's going to be the probation officer. And then after that's going to be the judge. And so we all make mistakes and that's okay. As you know, cause that can be part of the narrative. This is going to be your chance. You want to have people around you to bring out something positive in you. Everybody around you can say negative things. Just trying to, you don't need that at this point in time. This is going to be your autobiography of your life. It's going to include the good, the bad, and the ugly. And it could be, go back to, you know, did your parents, were they home? Did you have a good upbringing and not a good upbringing? Two-parent family, one-parent family. So, you know, all through your education, growing up, up until the point where you actually got indicted. Enablers are going to make you feel good for the moment. In other words, people around you that are going to tell you you're a good guy, it's not a big deal, <clears throat> and this is wrong, that's going to be great. But it's not going to help you in the long run. Narrative has to be your explanation without any excuses where you accept responsibility, as I said, have remorse for the pain that you've caused by not minimizing what has happened.
when writing the narrative, consider the client. You, you, you want to have people around you that have the most amount of appropriate knowledge about what you're trying to do. And this skill goes beyond just a traditional defense. In other words, most attorneys, not all, but a lot of attorneys, there are attorneys that are going to be aware of everything that happens and how to prepare yourself for prison, what happens once you get in prison, how to take advantage of the First Step Act, if you have problems, how to, how to engage through the administrative remedy process, as well as understanding the impact of the narrative and release plan. But it's not all attorneys. And so you need to, once you have an attorney and you've interviewed them and you get along and they're going to listen to you, if they buck you a little bit on this, stand your ground because this is your life, your future. And so at the appropriate time or just before the guilty verdict, you want to have this in preparation for the pre-sentence report. And as I said, <clears throat> you want those having the appropriate experience as to your future are going to be your who your future stakeholders are and what they need to hear because they're going to be responsible for having you reduce your criminogenic needs through the First Step Act programs as they prepare you to successfully re-enter society. So the categories that are going to be included in narrative. Mind you, there's individual questions through this, through the pre-sentence report and their probation report that they fill in. But if you cover all of this in written format where you've woven the narrative and then the release plan, the character letters, this will answer all the questions that they need to know before you ever, you ever meet so that your probation officer's first meeting you is not going to be, well, maybe from the indictment, now they're going to hear your side. They're going to know the nature of circumstances. Why did you do this? How did you get involved? What was your involvement? If it, what was your involvement in this particular crime? Were you a key player or were you a bystander? You should check your involvement is reflects what is actually in the final pre-sentence report under victim statements. History and characteristics. Here you need to include you want to include your remorse, the fact that you accept responsibility and you feel bad about what happened. You, you know, you have remorse for ruining your victim's lives. Was there a traumatic life event that happened to you growing up? Go into detail. <clears throat> you need to show the court what your plan is to never come back. If you've taken responsibility, you have remorse for causing the victim's pain. You know that you need to change around. If there are triggers that caused you here, if there are triggers, what was that trigger and how do you move it from your life? What has this experience taught you? Did it bring up moments from your past? All of these you want to explore. In the good things that your client's done, explaining samples with letters, essentially, if you have multiple letters, which is great, that attest to your character. If you have a letter from someone who's willing to employ you after you get released, that's a key letter. That's a great letter. And you want to definitely include that before your pre-sentence interview. But if you have great letters for, for your, regarding your character, let's say there are 10. You want to at least have 10. I didn't have 10. But the number that I read about is 10. Great. You want to have two of the letters that your attorney, when they do their sentencing memorandum, can include with their memorandum. The other letters can be given to the probation officer and your attorney can reference them at, your, at the memorandum during the sentencing hearing that the probation officer has them, has them. If, in fact, let's say there was some sort of substance abuse problem, substance abuse issue or problem that caused you or that was a participant in your crime was it a gambling crime was it a i don't know a sex crime or were there other issues that were mental health issues <clears throat> if you have been do, if you started to were if you started the, if you started before the indictment after the indictment before the pre-sentence interview whenever that was 
and you started, let's say, on your own taking classic classes for Narcotics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, or you had therapy, you need to have copies of uh, proving that from each of those organizations, Narcotics, Alcohol, Gamblers, or a treatment note or a note from your therapist that should go into the be part of the pre-sentence interview into the pre-sentence report because it shows that you're already on your own without any anyone else telling you do, to do so. You're already started working on your crime to, to change your ways, which is part of that release team. How, what are you going to do to change? If there is, for some people, it can be months to years before your sentence. In that time, please be doing something, whether you're the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company or you were just you know, working a regular job, you want to either have a history of volunteering and then have documentation to that. You want to, if you're working and you got a job, you're a CEO, but you're delivering pizza, you want to have pay stubs to verify that you want. And also if you have a big restitution, whether it's in the hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars, if you put away $25, $30 a week, if you can, whatever it is, is better than nothing. Even though it appears small, by the time you get to sentencing, if you take it out of that bank account and and provide it to the court on that day, it can all show the judge that you are sincere about doing what you what you can to change. If you have a professional license, mine was lost. I mean, I didn't know to include that into my pre-sentence interview or even to bring it up at sentencing. The judge asked me if I had anything to say. I just looked at him. I said, I'm sorry, but that was wrong. I just wasn't prepared. Should your professional license be lost, include how this result in loss of a loved career <clears throat> and doing good by others and income. But you're still looking into other options because, as far as employment. You're not depending on that. And incarceration is temporary. Life will go on with strategic planning. So here, consider the short YouTube. Again, you can find this on the website. But consider the short YouTube before writing your narrative. Simply speaking, this is your autobiography. As I said, Nike's brand is just do it. Tesla has SpaceX. Yours it was. Your, your narrative was your indictment. Now it has to be your story and your experiences that brought you to this point in your life. You need to help the judge understand who you are. It also includes, you go into detail about your familial history. Are you married? Do you have kids? Are there parents' responsibilities? Are you, a sole, are, you a are you the sole caregiver? Are you caring for kids and parents in the same household? Your, defend, your physical condition needs to be medically documented. And I'll go into this back, hip, shoulders, et cetera. Your medical and physical health and your emotional health, you need to have include everything, all medical copies of all medical records. That would be all blood tests, labs, surgery reports, pathology reports, after surgery, diagnostic tests. This would be x-ray, CT, MRI, ultrasound, PET scans, all of these. And you can get them. They'll be in written format, but it'll be helpful also. They'll provide them to you on a CD format or maybe even a flash drive. You need prescriptions, not only for medications, but for uh, medical devices. If you're taking medications, you should have downloaded with your attorney the entire BOP formulary, which is their drugs that they carry. And you need to make sure that your drugs are available. I have that all on a all within my website here that I can get into, but you need to know all of their drugs. And if you're on a medication that's not available or that is available, but it's considered non-formulary where they're not going to, they don't want to give it to you. You don't want to have to wait six months. You need to get your physician involved and they need, in addition to getting all your records, you need a clear documented treatment plan. 
And if the medications are not available, the physician hopefully is able to do two things. The first is to go through the closest medications that are available that could work for you um, on the, their BOP formulary and explain why you've tried them and they're not work, they didn't work, or they just were not medically efficacious. They're not were medically effective for you. And if they're not available, then a reason why the BOP, their Bureau of Prisons needs to make them available if there is if it's a life-threatening situation. The second thing they need to do, if you can get them, is to show up at the sentencing hearing because judges want to talk to your physicians. They may have a, you may have a medical person expert for hire, but they want to talk to the treating doctor. For things like bottom bunk, your past medical history of tinnitus, which you're in ears, vertigo, back problems. If, you, if you're a diabetic, probably you need soft shoes or, sneak, or, or sneakers instead of the rigid work boots who have a steel toe. This could include you know, torn Achilles tendon, heel, hip or, knee, heel, hip, or knee issues. If you're diabetic, that steel toe is not the best thing in the world. If by chance you're one of the few where your toe rubs through to the steel inside, not good. And don't tell, don't let the you know, the Bureau of Prisons tell you that well, it's, you're important, it's up to you to inform them. Well, part of diabetes is, or vascular disease or Raynaud's disease, is that you have diminished sensation, so you may not know. If you have a certain age or height, weight, have a hernia, this may help you in getting um, passes for where you don't have to stand for long series of long periods of time. Medical idols, which can get you out of everything is also available for either short or long term, depending on your ailment. It can range from a bad hip to PTSD, and possibly if it's the hips bad enough and your documentation is clear enough, and if you are in need of a hip replacement and you don't have the time before going into prison, that your attorney with the physician of record who is feels that this is needed for your quality of life can have you uh, placed into a federal medical center for surgery, substance abuse. In order to get the benefit, there's the RDAP program, which allows off the one year off your sentence. In order to get credit for that, though, or to take those classes in order to get credit, you need to have had use of drugs or substance abuse in the 12 months before your arrest. It can be alcohol, it can be drugs, legal or illegal, and again, it can be you know gambling. And as I've noted, if you started all of this on your own before the pre-sentence interview or before you were indicted, mention these in the narrative with copies of your treatment records from your providers that would be Alcoholics Anonymous, narcotics, gamblers, or if it's a sex crime where you're having therapy for that. Education, you need to have copies of the highest educational level you achieve. I don't care if you're a physicist. If you are going into prison and you're an attorney or physicist, but you don't have the graduating diploma copied in part of your file, they're going to still make you take the GED. If you have extensive experience with computers, well, I would leave some of that information out. If you have your GED or you want to get your G in prison and you want to continue your education, well, July 1st, 2023, the Biden administration had signed in the Second Chance Pell Grant Education Grant Act. And so that you're able, I can open over here, but your family members or a person who is an emergency person to be contacted on the outside, they can go to the website and let's see if I can open this up. The list that you can get a list of the colleges or universities here. So it opening up now. So you're able to see the different colleges and universities where they can, and this was an original list from April, 2022, it's probably gotten larger, but you can call them and see you know, what is the status of getting a grant. If you're an entrepreneur and you've had businesses, think about creating a course. I'm sure you have 
knowledge that you can pass on to those people around you. Think about it. Try and draft a course for that would meet a couple times a week for one to two months and get pass it by the case manager or unit team or counselor. And should they say it's okay, then great. Let them take the credit and you will look better <clears throat> in their eyes. Plus, you make them look good. Military, if you have military history, copy sub, what branch you're in. What was your discharge? You had any special training, certificates, et cetera? Employment, the probation officer is going to check. And judges love a good work history. Statement of financial records. Don't try and lie. Or I would be 100% candid with everything, every bank account. Because you want to get off on the good. You want you don't want to have the probation officer tell the judge that you lied or that you failed to include everything about you financially. So it's everything and anything, you know, from bank accounts, savings accounts, investments, wh wherever you are, whatever you have, you don't want to anger the probation officer or judge. You want to make the probation officer's work easier, not harder. And so you should provide everything to them. If you have a financial crime, in other words, if it's going to be, if there's a financial penalty that's going to come out in the court order, you're going to have a financial responsibility and it's called the financial responsibility plan. And when you meet in prison with your case manager and unit team, you want to acknowledge that you're willing to participate in that plan. It's based on you have to pay money, but if you're going to be taking in thousands of dollars every month, you may want to offer the plan a couple hundred dollars a month. If you figure that you're only going to take in a couple hundred dollars a month, maybe you offer $25 a quarter or something like that. But either way, you can also have this included into your narrative and your release plan. In addition, as a result of your narrative story, as I already said, it's quite it'll make you appear quite the opposite of the De Department of Justice indictment of you, where you sounded like America's most wanted. And if you've gotten this far and you've done everything, then you've done a good job, you and your attorney. Additional copies of things you may have to get is divorce decree, financial records, as I said, High diploma, highest educational level that you've reached, any trade occupation certificates, marriage certificates, national naturalization papers, draft card, car registration, military discharge certificates, birth or baptismal certificate, immigration papers or passport, employee verification, pay stubs, character, letters of character that attest to your character, military disability if it's applicable, income tax returns for the last three years unless more is requested. If you have any outstanding detainers, and immigration issues, you need to have these addressed and closed as much as possible before the interview. You definitely don't want to have a detainer. And if it's an immigration type issue, if you have everything done appropriately upfront for your probation officer and you have an uneventful time when you're in prison and you get out early on the First Step Act, the judge might not require you to be deported. I'm not saying it yes or no. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. I'm just saying if you can do everything that you can up front, then it puts your best foot forward. Proof of residence, res rent, receipts, property, mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. You need copies of your social security card, driver's license, birth certificate. That needs to be provided to the probation officer also. You need to bring copies with you. And again, reviewing, you need to have all of your medical records, especially if you have a complex medical history. And so with that in mind, I hope that you found this helpful. I'm grateful for you that you've taken time to, to listen to this YouTube. You can find all my information here in my website, Physician Percentage Report Service. And if you have any questions, feel free to give me a call or uh, email me. That can all be done through 
here through the website where you'll be able to see momentarily. If you go to it, there's my phone number. There's no charge. It's a free consult. We can go through everything if you have any questions. I appreciate you taking the time again to listen to this and I hope you have a good day.